You are still tuned into 90.1 KPFT. The Damage Control Radio program is in full effect. I wish we could say we were live and in full effect, but during the pandemic and the lockdown and things like this, we are coming at you pre-recorded. And I'm so honored to have been uh, brought back into this chair to fill in uh, Skylar Don, Zeke Bobby, and DJ Chill. Thank you so much for uh, allowing me this uh, courtesy to come back and do damage control. It's the 18th anniversary birthday, whatever you want to call it, coming up this month of May. And it's exciting to think about this show being on for so long. And today, well, last night, Skylar Don and I were talking about who should we uh, talk to this week. And there's something about giving flowers to the people who mean a lot to you while they're still here. And and we decided to talk to not only a mentor to so many people in Houston, including Skylar Don and the whole Damage Control crew, but one of my best friends, DJ Chill. What's up, man? Good morning. Good morning. Hey, hey, what's happening? What's happening? What's happening? Man, it is. It's technically morning. It is after midnight. And uh, yeah. <laughs> we're here. Yes, it is. <laughs> in the virtual studios. You're in H-Town. I'm in Austin. And, right. uh, Man, I just want to tell you how much it means to me to have had all this time uh, for you to have held it down for all this time after I had to leave. And uh, all the time we got to spend together on Damage Control was really special, my brother. I appreciate that, and I'm really happy to have this time to talk. Yeah, um, man, I um, I, I kind of had to catch myself then. I don't have too many people that, that, can, um, that I consider being a best friend, and you was always you're always going to be one of those guys. And uh, I, for those that don't know, man, Matt um, gave me the honor of coming on to the show as um, to as a special guest, as a mixer, and to mix. And um, and he and I had been partners. Um, sure, I'm gonna guess maybe twenty, ten, ten or twenty years before that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, um, man, he, he's opened up so many so many doors for, for me to feed my family. And I, and I, I, I always tell him that I'm, I'm truly uh, thankful for everything that he's done for me and my family. So um, it's, it's always an honor to be on, to be hanging out and talking to you about anything, music, family, whatever. Well, it's the same, man. You opened up a lot of doors for me. And when you came into damage control, you really changed the game because you were, and maybe maybe you still are. I don't know. I know you have other endeavors, but back then you certainly were Houston's number one street DJ because you were the one out there actually giving the young artists a chance, and that's what Damage Control was all about. Right, right. Um, I get, I get, I, I got that from, um, I got that from, um, from Screw. Really, um, I could, I could say that now. You know, thinking back of. Um, all the things that that we did um, in the earlier days, when it came down to music, like a lot of the artists, we didn't even know, but we still wanted to play their music. Same as Damage Control, like we we didn't know none of these artists, but we wanted to give them a give them a shot. And um, that's what basically what it was. Uh, we, it wasn't, hey, I'm gonna pay you to play this record. It was, hey man, I got a, I got a cool record now. Even not even listening to the record, but ahead of time. Just giving giving it a shot. Well, there was a purity back then that I I know it still exists now with some people, but man, it's the game certainly got all messed up at a certain point. But back in the day when you and Screw, literally before DJ Screw was a household name, you guys lived together and shared turntables. Is that true? Yes, that is definitely true. Um, Al D um, introduced me to Screw. 
Um, this is back in like um, the late 80s. And I wanted to learn how to scratch. And that's how he and I linked up. And we just, you know, we just clicked. So um, once I graduated high school and I was being at his house most of the time, that's when he was staying in Broadway. And I I was living there. We was um, uh, when when some you know how you you be over to a partner's house and y'all went sharing clothes and <laughs> and yeah. everything. You know what I mean? So um, we did a lot of parties together. And um, we like I said, he he had one twelve hundred. I had one twelve hundred, and we just put them together and, and and made it happen. Man, that's a big deal. That's kind yeah. of a big deal, DJ Chill. Yeah, well, I mean, you did the same thing with me as well. So shoes, it's, I mean, it, it's the, the com, it, it's just how it goes. It'd be like we just helped each other. Um, it came, it came to be like a tag team too because I, I did a lot of, I did more talking than he did. Right. So, um, when it came down to it, like doing the parties, I would, I would MC and he would DJ, and um, we just we had fun. You know, and wasn't making a lot of money, but we had fun doing it. <laughs> right, man. These were the days before, like New Jack and stuff like that, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. This was, um, man. Believe it or not, some of our early parties, like the high school party, you know, like Sterling High School, um, places like that, and um, and um, house party. That's when house parties was, you know, mm-hmm. back in the early days was 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 the thing to go to, and um before we even got into a club that we was just doing high school parties and house parties. Man. About what you year know? was that? Um, that was around, I guess it was like 87, 88 to all the, way, all the way up to like 89. And um, then, um, 90, yeah, 80, yeah 80, 89, 90. Then um, we first started doing our, our bigger parties Um when I, when I was, you know, we, when we both interned over at the box, right? Um, this was so funny. You know, you know, remember when we used to have to, um, you can, you can answer the phone for the jock that's on the air, right? So I, I was, I was answering the phone a couple of times, and people would call the radio station for, um, looking for a DJ for a high school, <laughs> and. <laughs> So instead of me giving the, the the phone number to one of the other jocks that was DJing, I, I mean I would take the I would take the information and, and um, Screw and I would go and do the party. Right. That's so crazy. That, that picture that's in the museum right now, that picture is a a picture of he and I, and back in ninety one, that yeah ninety one ninety two, um, we did a, a a school party. Remember that that school. Um, that was off a of, off a of tab at junior high school. Remember, I used to live directly across the street from Gregory right. Lincoln Elementary. That that's the school. I used to live at Taft and Polk. That's where I took pictures yeah. of half the rappers from that that early two thousands. <laughs> right there, right off the corner, right off the beat. That's the border that's of Montrose and Fourth Ward. Right, and that's where it was. It was that picture was taken at Gregory Lincoln High at um, junior high school? Wow! Wow! <laughs> <laughs> that was a much different neighborhood back then. <laughs> Things change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, you know what's crazy is I was watching I was watching the uh, Donnie Houston podcast with OG Ron C, and OG Ron C spent a significant amount of time in that uh, podcast talking about how he used to intern for the box and drive that van all over town. And I'm telling you, 
we definitely preceded him because I we were there the first. Yeah. I was there the first first two years of that station. Right, 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 right. With right. Michelle, was, Robert yeah. Scorpio, Greg Head. Yeah, Big D. Big D. Yeah, yeah Man, I talked to Big D not too long ago. Yeah, Big D. Um, um, doggone, uh, um, uh, Reginald Effect. Yep. Um, hey, Walter and, D was already there. Yeah, Scorpio was already there. Scorpio he was was the program uh-huh. director. Yeah, Greg Head. I remember he too. Out. I remember there was another Chill as well. There's uh, another dude named called himself yeah, Chill, yeah. maybe Chili That's, Chill. Um, he was a uh, um, he was a tall dude. Yep. Kind of weird, but yeah. I remember him exactly. Yep. Yeah, he used to wear mohawks and all kinds of stuff. Man. Yeah, but um, so. Yeah, man, that's what that's, that's what that's what it was. Um, well, that's when we first met, like ninety yeah. ninety one. Yeah, ninety one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just written. That was the summer of ninety one um, when I friends in high school. Man. Yeah, yeah. Um, I met them at Club Eight Hundred Eight. Well, I told you my no, story. No, it was it was Infinity. Infinity. It was Infinity. My bad. It was Infinity. Then it turned to Eight Hundred Eight. And that's how you got with uh, doing the internship. Yep. Michelle A was there with um with um Jimmy Olsen, and um yep that's how it happened. I remember. I, I basically I got a job at an accounting firm, just a, an accounting office in that building in sixty four twenty Richmond, and I it was like like an atrium building, and I'll never forget. I looked up and saw the box sign on the top floor, and was like, "That's where this new station is." I'm in the same building, and I just walked up and said, "If y'all ever need any." promotions or whatever and they're like hey you want to join the box posse <laughs> you want to do promotions i was like yes <laughs> and i always tell people we drove that van from huntsville to galveston to to the north shore to katie i don't even think there was a katie back then no it wasn't but we were hitting like every it was just far <laughs> every neighborhood anything that was going on if it was a basketball game if it was a concert if it was anything we went everywhere yeah yeah <clears throat> yeah those were the days so- yeah, so that's that's like I said when when you talk about giving a person a chance, that's where we, it came from. Just um, back then, because we didn't we didn't have a relationship with a lot of people. We just, uh, especially ones from the East Coast and the West Coast, we just played records. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I always say not to be too negative, but that station blew up by supporting the community for sure. That station blew up and took over and beat Magic 102 and all the other stations and everything else out there by very literally playing Houston artists and being out oh, in yeah, the Houston yeah. neighborhoods. That was, that, was, that was the key. That was, that was the, key. the key. Yeah, that was the key. I mean, that was the key from the jump. You know what I'm saying? That's that's what, and that was that was why they um, asked the you know people like yourself and I that we was in we was young in the in the in the neighborhoods in the community and we. We we did a, a lot of work. We put in a lot of the footwork mm-hmm. and brought back information that they could use to do whatever needs to be done. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that's a good segue to how you became a part of Damage Control because you really did that for us. And I'll never forget, I started the show with Zen in uh, May of 2002. And our goal was, we had a DJ JD, may he rest in peace and may Zen rest in peace. It's crazy to think the first two people I started that show with have passed on. Uh, but we've lost so many people. But when we, we first started the show, Jason was our DJ. 
but was not sure if he could do it forever. And he did about maybe the first three weeks, but he had a real job. So he couldn't just do Wednesday from midnight to 3 a.m. every week. And Zen and I talked. We said, well, let's have a different guest DJ every week. Let's showcase not only the music, but let's showcase the DJs of the city. And we did that for a while. And when you first came down, do you remember when you first came down? Yeah, I was, uh, I was, I was touring. I was, I had just finished the tour with Tila and I, um, started working with Flip going on the road with him. And, um, that's when I got the opportunity to, uh, when I came back on a, off a show, I got the opportunity to come up there and be a guest DJ. And I was like, I was always, I was ecstatic because that's what I always wanted to do was, was like, you know, I just wanted to mix on the radio. And, um, so I was, that was the opportunity. And yeah, I, I'm, I, you know, we always been people of, you know, trying to grasp the opportunity. Right. Well, when you came down, the thing is, I think you saw the vision right away of what oh, we yeah. were trying to do at the station. And literally the next week you came again with a new artist and the next week a new artist and the next week more new artists. And like, you definitely were like spreading the word. You were in the streets, you're in the, the hottest clubs for sure. I mean, you had 2000 people on a Sunday night where right. you were playing, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, but like I said, yeah, that, that was a, a big thing because like, if I could, my thing was if I could um, do that, do the club and tour, I just was trying to push, push the limit. Um, on everything, and you gave you gave me the platform. I mean, I I I, I even went out as far as um, getting flies made up myself. Um, I had my cousin, uh, his name Bam. He he did the graphics for it. I went to back then went to Kinkos or wherever we could to print out flies, cut them up, and I was passing them out at the, at the clubs I was DJing at, and um, because I wanted to promote, I had Matt and Zan and DJ Chill on the fly. I mean, but you did that before. You did that before you were even official on the show, man. You like went yeah. out and did it, and like you made it happen. Like and that was, and I said to Zen, I was like, "Look, man, Chill's putting in the work. He's bringing in the artist. That's it. He's our DJ." Yeah, and the rest is history, and that really worked yeah. out. And I'm so glad it did work out. Why don't we take a quick musical break? I was thinking. Um, <clears throat> I want to talk about the early days and the early, if we're going to talk early days, we got to talk rap a lot. Okay. And, uh, I was thinking a good one to start with would be Scarface. Let me roll. Yeah. I, I, I like that one. Um, I can relate to that one because I was actually at McGregor park when they were shooting that, um, video. And, um, I had a, I, and that's when I um, had opportunity to, um, to network with a, a rap a lot at the time. And I, I, right after that, I became um, the official DJ for Tulo. Man, <laughs> was that Big Chief's son or nephew? No, I don't know. Something. No, I thought he was related not. to Big Chief somehow. Yeah, but yeah, that's what I. Because he was the one pushing Tulo hard. Yeah, and I had opportunity. That was my first time I get a chance to go to Ultimate Sound Studios, and they had another studio off of Fifty Nine and um, Chimney Chimney Rock. Um, that they used to record at. Um, that was a legendary studio. That neighborhood was a little different too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, let's let's do. Let me roll. All right, we'll be right back. You're listening to the Damage Control Radio Program. Matt Sanzala reminiscing with DJ Chill. We'll be right back after a couple <laughs> songs. Uh, <laughs> Strictly for the funk level. Give baby. it to me. And we really want. Oh 
want your mind to blow, baby. Your mind
Championship like Sean Kemp. I got these women ballin' shrimp and crawfish by the lakefront. Five gallons of daiquiri, grill steaks and blunts. Now women, you can stay what you want, and fellas, you can stay what you need. But I'm always G key with the bag of you. Yes, indeed. I'm the player with the ball in hand. Got a ballin' man, darling. I know you understand. Now it ain't hard enough, but you damn sure better watch your step, platinum and go. These hoes know my friend I'm real. Slept over a year, kicking it back, taking it easy. Now I'm back with the skills and the real flock to see me. Now be me. Tried to imitate the style, couldn't do it, had to go home and practice for a little while longer. Strong, back in 97 and 98, I'm dropping hits. Partners stay off my head, not quit. Trying to portray the type of nigga you could never be. It's Big Mike, the dopest nigga you would ever see. Bring it down for my crown, partner, what you say? Big Mike and Mr. Cal in the same. I was born in Reagan, New Orleans. I grew up on second line in gumbo, red beans. <laughs> Street River walking. Everybody shout to the Disney. I'm broke. Now they be talking. Point. It's like they doing the movies. Every night we can make the news. Wearing a polo shirt and ballet shoes. They can remember when them niggas went for hard. They would line up their bars and so-called represent their wall. When we get to the club, it's gonna be some shit starting and some shoulder bumping, stepping on toes. And I beg your pardon. If you a bust, then you bust up. If you a sucker, you getting sucked up. Tough luck. Tell them like a man and hold your own. It's the only model. Cause all that getting broke all over. Bitch, played out with Lotto. Put on the brakes and he's off the throttle. Before I bust you with your shit with this King Cobra bottle. Let the respect my guitar. Lord, no, I don't want to. But all you motherfuckers, I got him. I'm open to Gucci, just telling time through my bottle. I'm selling no powder, but I'm stacking G's in my closet. Uptown, niggas living violent. West Bank, you get clicked out. Downtown, getting wild. If it wasn't for rapping Cause where I'm from They ain't having fun Unless they scrapping Going to war brawling They don't get mad with me That's how it is In New Orleans She goes on It goes on From Scarface's classic Let Me Roll to Big Mike's classic Southern Comfort. Both of them have a lot of classics, but those are a couple we selected for uh, this hour. Man, tell me I, about... I really like, what was that? I really like Big Mike, um, that, that particular record, um, because it brings back a lot of memories, too. Um, every time I... I when I, From the first time meeting Big Mike, he was um, real, real straight-up dude. And to this day, I mean, still straight up dude. 
Well, for sure. And I'm so glad to see he's still doing music. And the new music he's been doing has been great, working with young artists as well. Um, I remember being shocked by the convicts, 3-2 and Big Mike together. And honestly, I think that record was incredible. But once they got past, I mean, that record had some lyricism on it. But once they got past that that record and did solo records, they both showcased themselves as two of the strongest lyricists from the South, like hands down. And with style, they they birthed styles for a lot of people. Yeah, they wordplay was um man was was, was crazy. Word wordplay was crazy. Exactly, yeah. and I mean word, what's crazy? <clears throat> excuse me. What's crazy about the internet now is to see like Def Jam Blaster and the R put out that seven inch, put out a forty five last year of like the original group with with Blaster and, and three two together, and to know the right. history. Like, this is why I want to talk to you because I get a lot of credit for helping with the Houston scene and this and that in a certain era, but. Fact of the matter is, there's lots of people that came before me that people know about, but there's so many things that were happening back in those days that no one knows about. I, uh, even to this day in 2020, learn about. It's crazy, man. Like the people behind the scenes, the people that made this stuff right. work. And it's like, right. that's, I want to give credit to everybody we can, but that's almost impossible. Like I always tell people that when I first started trying to get in touch with the industry, Mikey Jam was the first person to give me like phone numbers to record companies when I was first on KPFT. Right. And then Will Strickland came in and gave me a bunch of numbers and we went, we traveled a bit together and went around and I got to get my little foot in the door in the industry. But there's so, but beyond that, there's so many people like the first yeah. bio I ever wrote was for the chaotics and they were on Doug King's label, new style with satin, Doug smooth, <laughs> satin, smooth, less money. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, you yeah. Know. DJ Babyface. Man. Yeah, yeah. James, really? James. We went to school together, Barbara Jordan, him and I. Really? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we we uh we met again um when I was DJing at Funger and Superskate. Right. Yeah. And that's when they uh, I think that's when that's when Doug King that's I think that's when they had um it was on the label with Doug King as well. Man. Doug King had a lot. Doug King was was the music man here. For sure, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's name on everything. Well, I'd like to but, talk um, about how I've talked about this. I think I might even have mentioned it to Mister Lee, but I talk about this a lot because generically, and I say that with all due respect to DJ Screw and everyone else, but it is kind of a generic label that people put on Houston that about the Houston sound. There's this one Houston sound and the Houston sound is what came out of the screwed up click. I feel that hundred percent as a dominant sound. It's what happened. It was an incredible era. But before that, and then, and then people only ever think about Houston ever blowing up in the mid two thousands with Swisher house. They don't, they don't remember. They don't remember want to be a baller. They don't remember nah. want to be a baller. They don't remember what happened with the ghetto boys, but beyond all yeah. that, yeah, I want to talk uh, to you about street, street, street military. Yeah, they were on Wild Pitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to yeah. the I went to the dinner. I went to the dinner release party that Wild Pitch right. threw in Houston for for Street Military. Right. We were probably there together. Right. <laughs> but I want to talk yeah. about that, that's a good segue because beyond that, the the Houston sound being screwed up. Before that, the uh -huh. Houston sound from Rap a Lot, from Fisu, from the SPC. Yeah, from Street Military, <laughs> Trinity right. Garden, 
that music was yeah. aggressive. Yes, very aggressive. Very aggressive, and you were in the middle of it because you're. Are you right. from South Park? Yeah, I'm South. I'm from South Park. Grew up right up in South Park. I also um, I my I got my 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 a fresh start with actually knowing the industry, um, you know, through the box. But actually, uh, uh at Stick Horse Records and Tapes, um, Man. right there, off, right there for Cullen and Reed. Stanley. Huh? What was his name? Uh, it was Stick Horse. Yeah, but what was the owner's name? Uh, his name was Stick Horse, and, and okay. the lady. The lady name was Carla Campbell. Okay. And uh, Tommy and Tommy Langston. Gotcha. Got Tommy, Tommy. Tommy. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Tommy Langston was a huge, huge, huge help. Yes. Um, and, and yeah, huge. I mean, even to this day, um, he's he's still a um, a force um, within the the strength strengthening with me. You know what I'm saying? I ain't gonna mm-hmm. lie. But yeah, he um, hold on. He I'm oh, sorry about that. Um, he, uh, yeah, he, he is, uh, yeah, Tommy Langston, they gave me a shot. I was getting $35 a day. Man. <laughs> I remember Cypher worked there. A lot of people got their start at Stick Horse. And a lot of yeah. artists, <clears throat> a lot of artists got their first sales out of Stick Horse for sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. Houston. Uh, um, yeah, that, like I said, I was getting, um, I was staying right out, I was staying right off of, um, Belford and Cullen. <laughs> <laughs> I had a little house right there. Yep, getting thirty five dollars a day. I went from that to um, working the the other store. Um, they had another store for Griggs, and that was a that was a pretty popular store too. Griggs, mm-hmm. right across from um, the flea market. Right, exactly. So that's when that's when they was buying a lot of stuff from Southwest Wholesale, and that's when everybody was coming in and doing in stores. Remember, people would go to in, do in stores, rap artists. Of course. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that that was a that was a big store for a lot of artists. Um, Stick Horse Records and Tapes, they they did consignments there. People, you know, artists that couldn't go through Southwest Hotel, they would um they would um they would they would actually um come and do a consignment. Man, with, I feel like the era you're talking about for Stick Horse is a little bit before artists even knew about Southwest Wholesale. Uh, I yeah, don't, I don't think Southwest Wholesale was like the right away. Like everybody in the streets was jumping on that. It took a minute, but yeah, the '90s yeah. for sure. That was happening in the '90s for sure. Right. Yep. So they, like I say, um, they yeah, they was doing um, consignments. And uh, if if you don't know what a consignment, I, I, I was listening to a, a um a show with um B Legit and um and um those guys out of the West Coast. And they would send and they would send one sheets to the record stores, and you know the information about the artists before they even come here. And then they would send a one sheet and a sample cassette. Mm-hmm. So that's how they got in the stores. And consignment means you drop your record off with like an agreement that when they sell, you will be paid. It's exactly. not being bought straight off. <laughs> right. No. No upfront money. Now, wait, now once the record, now if the record was hot and people were coming to the stores. Mm-hmm. Acting for it, then you could then you could demand the record. You could demand some money up front. Right. It was like a proving ground. Yes. Yes. But yes. Let's talk I mean, about you coming up as far as the artists you would see around town and in in Stick Horse and all this because these were the beginnings of rap a lot. This was before Mind Playing Tricks blew up. This was before possibly even Scarface and Willie D were the Ghetto Boys. 
Bushwick was da- dancing for them, but there was a whole, you know, first era of Ghetto Boys. This is in that era. Can you tell me a little bit about what you were seeing in those early days of Rap-A-Lot, those early days of, of the South Park Coalition? Because you were right in the middle of all of it. Right. Well, I mean, like I said, the earlier days um, of all that, you would just, you would see these guys just, um, just going, coming around to different parks, um, doing like, when like, so like, the Magic 102 and all those guys, they used to have like um, events in the parks. You would see these guys come around there. Uh, you would uh, you would see Scarface. You would ski, see um, K Reno. Um, you would see Big Mello. Big Mello. You would any uh, anybody that that was anybody that was trying to get started. Um, the Fisus. Um, I mean, you know, um, that they, those were the early guys. Those mm-hmm. are the, you didn't see any, you didn't see anything much other than K Reno Raheem, um, you know those guys right there. They would come, you would they would come to an event that Lester Surpace and Walter Dignan was doing from from Kids Jam. You know right. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was I was a I was a young man catching the bus to go to to an event at, at TSU for Kids Jam. Right. Yeah. Was the divide so, yeah. between the north side and the south side as serious as they say? Because, I mean, people like, were you seeing Street Military and D from you know, and Trinity Garden Cartel? Not even D from Trinity, Trinity Garden Cartel and those type of guys. Were you seeing and hearing them back then? Uh, no, 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 no. You didn't, you didn't hear about those guys until the mid-90s. Not mid-90s. They're definitely early. No, tell me, like, you know, like, like, um, uh, Street Military and all those guys, they... That when when they when they did like Gerard, it was on Gerard Records with Keith Babbitt, mm-hmm. and that was that was that was like like ninety what ninety three ninety four something for like sure that. For sure, not for sure, not. They were at least Street Military was at least ninety three on Wild Pitch. Ninety three on Wild Pitch, at okay, least well. if not ninety two, but for okay, sure right. at, at the latest ninety three. Yeah, so that that part right, like, like I said. um you saw them come out of record store. I didn't see D from Trinity Gartel coming to to um, Stick Horse with a one sheet. You know, mm-hmm. they probably sent in the mail, but definitely you would see uh, Street Military uh, coming by the record stores. You would see K Reno come by the record store. You see Point Blank. You didn't see um, anyone from. Um, you see a representative from Rapalot representing the fifth war boys coming to uh stick horse on the south side mm-hmm. you would see them go to like uh the record stores um uh in like in greenspoint you'll see them at that they had a record store right there at greenspoint mile right of see course. Them over there. yeah what was it, music Before, depot music yeah uh no. yeah they had music depot over there. yeah there was music depot yeah 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 so that's that was they that was they they would go to okay. they would go to OG Dewey's shop. Dewey, yep, in Fifth Ward. Dewey had a shop right. in Fifth Ward. I know that. Yeah, and 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 he, I think that that was a that was a the fresh start for them too, Fifth Ward because they had their own store, and anytime they dropped some project, Rapalite, anytime Rapalite dropped project, they, that's what that's what all the stuff went to first. Right. That was a testing ground, I believe you could say. But yeah, that's that. You're right. You're right. But like I said, you didn't see them coming out too much. You see them coming out to the club, or I. Um, but you didn't see them coming uh, like like anyone from the north side coming to a club on the south side. 
Right, right. To promote. But when you heard the records, you're like, okay, yeah, that's that's jam. Well, for me, moving to Houston in 1989, I had been coming to Houston since 1980 when I was eight. When I moved there when I was 17, and my mind was blown by the rap a lot and the South Park stuff coming out. Like <clears throat> being, con- you know, a punk rocker into hip hop, into all this music, and hearing something like the Terrorists, hearing something like <laughs> you know that blew my mind because I was like, yeah. That's I'm still to this day. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to hear your record unless you're about to overthrow the government. That's what I want to hear. Me and Point Bank was talking the other day about like when he came from Chicago, he 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 was he was listening. He was with those guys and 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 got got with those guys. And and he he said, man, I was influenced by Point. I was influenced by Gangsta Nip and the Terrorists. That's why I that that was, that was some of the reasons why he rapped the way he rapped because of the influence that they put on him. I'm sure it was. And you know, it's crazy. Last <laughs> week, I had no idea. Mr. Lee told me that one of his first recordings in was uh, one of the first people to give him a chance was point blank. Wow. I had no idea. That, I had me, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. was, was it prone, prone to bad dreams or something like that? Well, that was one of the albums for sure. Yeah. 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 Man, man. Well, let's get into a couple songs. Speaking of man, I want to talk to you more about the screwed up click in that era before we uh, get out of here. So why don't we get into Big Mo's Man? Because I know. Hold on, wait. What's that? Hold on, that that song right there. I, I was I, I got to tell you a story about that song. Okay. I had a ch- I was I was at the time I was working with Reg Shot when they when they recorded that record. Right. And I had a chance to actually do some scratches on that song. And why? And by the time I got ready to leave to go to the Go and get my turntables. The song was done, and I missed out. Man, come on. Yes, yes, yes. I was like, oh no, man. That was and that and it was done. So once it was done, it was done. Sure, sure. Yeah, I was I was working on Red Shop at the time. Man, that was quite narrow. Let's talk about that. We'll come right back and talk about the screwed up click Red Shop era in just a moment. You are tuned into Damage Control ninety point one FM. Houston. What's the deal? It's no D, baby. Huh, got Mo Yo, Po Yo, and my boy ESG, Sandrick Sosa, the Freestyle Kings in here. Say, look here, they got a song out there called Whoa. You know what I'm saying? We love that, we respect that, but in Texas, Louisiana, we talk about that. Man. Mo Yo, make them say, I'm going get the pipe to the headlight. Coming down, got a potent ass purpose pipe. I hit the boulevard red with my tight knife. I'm hit the Red I can spread 
corners and kits, my screens lit, watching beats, party click, two pops taking turns, I'm a hey. thousand on my wrist, I'm the boss, told me take my chain off, let my body to froze, feel like I'm frozen, man, the chosen, man, protein on my neck, five thousand on my head, like man, man, I top the block like fans, fans, see my propellers when I land, hopping out of candy, helicopters, EG, Rex, Shopper, fat lady, gon' see the opera, it's over, man, I thought I told ya, minute motor. Jump up in this thing and you see what I'm saying. I ain't gonna stop it, just sit safe for show. Hitting the dough and buying the record. Showing nothing but naked. What bars expected? I'm the man. Pushing the beans on the next man. Painted tan. 18's kicking in the ass like Jackie Chan. All that time bowl. See that hydro. That's all I blow. Ask that big mo. Push a photo. Rep the logo. You know it's me. Bite the mic. Hurt, bitch. I'm a G. See, won't stop. I set up shop. Then I wreck it. Show ass naked. Marvel. Protected, sensei, don't play, won't play, never did. Pop the lid on the paint, turn it upside down, and I'ma sip it. Give me a kilo, and I'ma whip it, ship it, distribute it just like tapes. When I touch the track, the track, yeah, break. A gorilla, untamed, nigga, know my name, sensei, oh man. All my G's is stacking in, say man. All my bottles in the pen, say man. Where y'all at? And that's Like I like, I'ma have to keep 
when I come down, chrome it blades and wood wheel. Pop another pill, therefore better chill. Sounds like Houston, Texas, won't you tell me how you feel? Make another meal while I pack my steel. Breaking boys off with my freestyle drills. Hide in a hill, land of the drill. Pippin' pins, hidden skins, showing up but skills. to the radio edits we have here but we got in man and still pimping pens from little kiki and i think that's a good segue because you were right there in the middle of it all when the screwed up click was really happening i always say you were talking about the early early era of screw but i feel like screw really really started hitting with his tapes around 92 92 uh like early early like the like the artists well, and the players knew about the tapes well, yeah, yeah. Or yeah, an average right. person heard about it, like yeah, myself. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Because um, in '91, he had he definitely was, was his name was ringing. It was happening. Well, yeah, but um, and that's because of, of, of guys that was coming and getting the uh, the, the tapes. They were called personals. Yeah. Um, a lot of people don't talk about that part about his career as um, the, the names of the tapes was called personals. Um, back then, that that was his thing, doing a personal. You know what I'm saying? Right. Giving that, that 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 signature of this is your this is your personal tape. You know what I'm saying? And people people they 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 really love that, that about being able to go and and write out a list and and um get it. Uh, it was like a tailored suit. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna cherish a tailored a tailored suit, you know. Exactly. So that's that, that was that was his that was his thing. He was tailored. He was he was making a tailored tape. Man. Right, right. So when it came down to um, that part, you know, like I said, um, people knowing his name about that time, um, it, it came from doing those personals, and then it came from when um, Fat Pat and Corey Blunt and all those guys was coming getting personal tapes. And then they start speaking on their tapes, 
and then the the selection of songs that they they was getting put together, people liked at those selections. So Ace Man, let me get a copy of that, and then that's when everything started popping off. Like it was people want to get copies of that that particular tape, and then okay, well, sure, I want to do my own. So then you go in and do a personal for yourself, and then that that's so jamming. Man, let me get a copy of yours. And then, now nah, you got to get your own. And bam, there I go. Kept on going, you know, moving and moving and moving. Man, Corey Blunt, he's out. You're right, right, right. Shout out to Corey Blunt. Um, yeah, man. Shout out to King Dinky. I know he, he probably listening in right now. Shout out to but King yeah. Dinky, for real. Yeah, so so anyway, so... When and it that's a tragedy. Down, so, that's a tragedy how many years I've been gone and King Dinky's right. still gone, man. We pray for you, brother. Right. Um, so yeah, so when it came down to screwed up click, um, that that's how it really got on because that the the uh from those personal tapes, you know, Kiki, Fat Pack coming over and doing it and then that's when um guys like um Russell was listening to different artists and then Russell Washington from it. Big Time Records. Yeah. Uh, Patrick from um Jam Down uh, I remember when he came over to Screw's house in, in Broadway, and that's when everything was start kicking out for us, uh, him producing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and uh, he had that's when he signed um, Al D as well. Man, yeah. So that's when everything started kicking off. Um, but 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 everybody was uh, that the Screw it came up by Screw House and did a personal, and it kept on doing a personal. And then they they careers start popping off those personals, and then they start getting record deals and actually making songs, and everything came from Screw. So that's when the SUC actually was created because everything came from started off with him. Right, right, right. You know, um, man, it's it's amazing. You know that I I really thank God for those guys giving paying homage to him. But acknowledging the fact that he was the he was the um, the start of it all, man, for real. Well, <clears throat> of that era, and yeah, he, course, he yeah. deserves every bit of credit he gets. He deserves even more. Twenty years since he's passed. It. I said this last week. I've said this every time I've talked about DJ Screw. It's horrible. All the artists we've lost. It's horrible. All the people who are important to us that we've lost as far as in in this music, but. Also, the architect of rock and roll died last week, Little Richard. We got to give respect to Little Richard. Right. May he rest in peace. But DJ Screw missed so much. It makes me crazy. Like, literally, me personally, who has nothing to do with it necessarily, it makes me, like, mentally crazy to think about all the things that happened in the 2000s with DJ Screw's sound and what he did that he missed. Yeah. But you know what's so crazy? Even that to um when I when I when I heard that um the source mag was it the source magazine um talked about the most of uh, the most influential DJs in the world? Maybe. Was that the source? Or was it I don't know, probably. I mean back then there was nothing else. Back in the yeah. early early days, there was—I mean, there was there was there was the small 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 magazines, but then there was the source that went nationwide. Yeah. So, but just recently, they did an article on the most Ooh. influential DJs in the world. Right. And and they put him, I think, as like like at the top, because um, you, you I mean, 
it was it was amazing to me. I mean, it, it's it's true because you could you could talk about Cool Herb, you could talk about all those guys before us, right? But household name wise, like his well, name is household name. You've heard me say this five hundred times, and I say this every time. There were better DJs than DJ Screw, and there were bigger DJs than DJ Screw. But there is no DJ ever in the history of DJing who had the effect on his community that DJ Screw had. No one, I mean, no DJ anywhere in the world infected his community with his sound as deeply and as intensely as DJ Screw did. No one. Yeah, I mean, and was, much respected. Cool Herc, Cool Herc invented hip hop. Yeah, of you know, yeah, we we take nothing from him. He 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 no, brought it all to us, but on a level of just really, I mean, because at that point in time, when Screw hit, you couldn't hear. There's kids who grew up in that era who didn't hear a rap record regular speed. <laughs> they literally didn't even hear the record at the regular speed at all. They only heard it screwed. They only heard those songs screwed. They never heard them regular, ever. You, you remember, remember when, when, when we was when we was in we was in Europe, and and that guy came. The screw the screw DJ came from what Germany somewhere. Was it DJ Rays from uh, <clears throat> DJ Rays? I think. Yeah, and he not came. From Germany. He, he, yeah, he met he met us right there in, in that square, and and um, he came from a whole nother country, right? Hmm. Well, we met a lot of people like that, you know. No, I mean? no, it, it was, it was, it was because the video is up on YouTube. But anyway, it was me, you, um, uh, uh, Rick, and that, and that, and that gentleman came to meet us right there at the square to meet us right there, and he was a chopping screw DJ. Right. Big and, up DJ Rays. Yeah. So, you, but you, you, you dig what I'm saying? We way out there. It's true. And he and he was and he was representing um, school culture right there. Man, well, that's a perfect transition. We only got a little more time left. We're gonna do this, fill up this second hour. Right. Tell me about how you first felt touching down on the other side of the world, coming from as deep as you are in Houston culture, touching down and playing records for people in Europe. Man, what was, was the first city? What was the first city? I, I think uh, I think I think was it Belgian? I mean, Ber- no. Bergen? Was it Bergen? Yeah, Oslo? maybe it's probably Norway and it's probably Oslo or Bergen. Yes, yeah. so we went to Bergen, yeah. Oslo, and yeah. Trondheim on that that one tour with Rick. Right, right. Um, it was amazing when you when you first told me about the opportunity. Um, hands down, I was like, yes, let's go. Um, but I, I believe in law of attraction, man. Um, believe it or not. Um, I was reading a, a magazine called DJ Times back in the day, and I, I seen like DJs like Supercat and all those guys doing shows over there in in Europe and places like that. And I've always wanted to be able to do that, Man. you know. And and I and I and I actually had an opportunity to do it. You know what I'm saying? Like every time I got it, I used to look at those magazines and look at how these other people was doing what they was doing and not knowing that that was opening up opportunities for me to do the same thing. Man. Isn't that amazing? It's really amazing because, uh, 
early on, I, I didn't, you know, I was always kind of a nerd, even back before emails and all that. I, you know, Tommy T in Norway, I used to get his graffiti magazine. I used to trade tapes with people all over back in the late 80s, early 90s. <clears throat> and for us to be able to go over, shout right. out shout out to Mona B, who came over and did that first Houston documentary overseas, did right. the first Houston documentary in Norway. She was the plug to uh, Fred and the Court Festival and the people right. who first brought us over. Yeah. To expose Houston music to uh, Scandinavia, and yeah, it just expanded and, from there. And um, I don't know if I'm the first one to do this, but I did a Scandinavian mixtape. What part two after the break? This is Damage Control. <laughs> <laughs> 